0: Good to see you all. Uh, my name is Kondo. For those of you who I've not had the opportunity to meet, I get to serve as one of the pastors here um, at Mission Point. Coolest job in the world ever. Uh, just saying um, this morning, I get to to wrap up uh, a series we've been in that we've been calling Invincible Church and uh, really looking forward Really looking forward to that. And really what I want to spend uh, my time doing this morning is just kind of talking a little bit about a pretty crazy, insane, scary, awesome experience that we as a church um, are going to have together a little bit later on uh, this afternoon. And if you've been around here for a number of weeks and you've heard us kind of leading up to this, ramping up towards... um, what we are calling a prayer op that will be taking place this afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. So really, I just want to spend some time talking a little bit about that, talking about what that is and why uh, we want to do it um, as crazy as it might sound. Um, When the Bible describes the church, uh, one of its favorite titles for the church is the body of Christ. It tells us that we are the body of Christ. A really, really significant um, picture and description of who we are and what we are um, as the church. Um, Such a significant truth. Because as the body of Christ, we are the physical representation of Jesus in our world. I mean, after all, that's what bodies are for. Uh, My body is the way that I interact with the world around me. And similarly, the church is the way Jesus interacts with the world around us. As his body, it means we are the primary way that Jesus chooses to show up and interact with the world. When Jesus wants to show up in a city, Jesus will choose to show up through his church. It doesn't mean that's the only way he does it, but that's one of the primary ways that Jesus will choose to show up. Because that's what bodies are for. Bodies are for showing up places. And so when we show up in people's pain, there's a sense in which Jesus shows up in people's pain. When we show up in people's joy, Jesus shows up in people's joy because we are the body of Christ. And so the reality is our world will get a clearer and more vivid picture of what Jesus is like through the way we show up. Because we as a church are, in fact, the body of Christ. It's a pretty profound concept That our county is going to experience Jesus most vividly through us. And so, because we long to see our county and our city experience Jesus, if you've been around the church for a while, you know that we have made it a priority to be the kind of church that shows up in people's worlds in vivid ways. That's why... As many of you know, every month we put on what we will refer to as love ops. Um, love ops. If you've been around, then you know that's not a, a new phrase or a new term to you. But love ops are the very practical ways we very intentionally show up in our county to show Jesus off in vivid ways. And, and more specifically, love ops are the ways that we want to show up in people's pain and we want to show up in people's joy in our county, in our world. And um, it's really a, a coordinated effort that gives us as a church opportunities to help people who are in tough places, but also to help the people who are helping people who are in tough places. And so really every month, secrets out, every month what we do is we ask the question, I wonder where Jesus would physically be showing up if he were physically here like he was 2,000 years ago. And then we make efforts to show up in those places because, as it turns out, Jesus is physically present in our city through the church because we are his body. So we want to be where we suspect Jesus might want to be because we are the physical representation of who he is. And so... Um, as many of you know, last month we showed up to encourage um, families on the front lines of adoption and foster care. Because we suspect that there is a special place in the economy of Jesus for the people who are coming in and turning around the worlds of the unwanted, the unclaimed, the unnamed child. We suspect that Jesus might be among the least and Jesus might be among those who are among the least. And so we figured as a church, we wanted to come alongside those who are on the front lines of foster care and adoption and just tell them Jesus is with you. And one of the ways you know he's with you is because his body is with you. And so as a church, we showed up in those Places, As you know, towards the end of last four, I think it was August, we um, as a church uh, put on an oil change for single parents where we just a number of you very mechanically savvy, um, changed oil, and did some very general diagnostics on um, vehicles. And while that was happening, groceries and surprises were um, being gathered for them. Because we are convinced that Jesus would want those who are in single parent situations to know you are not alone. And these unique burdens that you're carrying, you are not carrying alone. You are not unseen. Um, In fact, the month before that, um, we bombarded the Kosciuszko County Fair to spend some time with the fair workers. Because we suspect Jesus might have something to say about a group of people who are transient and they come through town and because they come through town and they're gone, people tend to look through them. And we as a church wanted to say, no, no, we want to show up and see you and spend time with you and validate you and tell you that you matter even though you may be far from home and even though people may just label you as carnies. And so we went to be in that space to be the body of Christ there. So again, please hear me tell you, when you hear us say, would you please sign up for a love-up, that is not our way of, you know, just kind of adding busyness, you know, calendar fillers for you. That is our way of inviting you to play a part in making Jesus more visible and more present in our city. Because we are, after all, The body of Christ. We are the way Jesus shows up in the world around us. And so we will often call you to help make Jesus tangible. Help make heaven's hands and feet something felt and experienced by the people in our world. Now, this month, and by this month I mean this afternoon, um, uh, we are doing something a little bit different for our love up. In fact, technically speaking, it is a prayer up. Um, because we want to show up and make Jesus more fully present in our city by praying for its people. So this afternoon, from 4 to 5 um, p.m., there are going to be 10 different groups of us who are going to show up in 10 different neighborhoods... Um, and we are going to offer to pray for people. And this is the way it's going to work. And again, feel free to freak out a little bit because this is kind of edgy. I'm not going to lie. Um, but we are. We are going to go into 10 different neighborhoods, 10 different groups of us. Uh, some of you who are going to sign up after the service, and you don't even know it yet. But um, 10 different groups of us are going to go um, walk through neighborhoods. We're going to bundle up, of course. going to be a cooler um, Evening, and uh, we're going to just offer to pray over their families and over people's homes. Simple, scary as I'll get out, and incredibly powerful. Hey, let me just tell you, by the way, if you think that sounds crazy, newsflash, we know this. Like we actually know that sounds crazy. I think sometimes people look at us like, you guys are just thinking of crazy stuff to do. No, 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 we know it sounds crazy. We are fully in touch with our insanity. We know that that is a morbidly crazy thing to do. We just also happen to believe that no world was ever changed by sane and safe people. So yes, that's a little bit crazy. Crazy. And yeah, we're trembling a little bit. Understanding the transformation we long to see in this city is not going to happen by safe things. So, just letting you know, we know. When you go home and you're driving home like those people are crazy, they know they're crazy, right? (laughs) So, um, let that be um, helpful to you. So, here's how this is going to work. Um, We are going to literally walk up to people's doors You know, a group of us will walk into a neighborhood and walk down the street and then two of us will walk up to somebody's door and will knock on the door or will ring the doorbell. And uh, if the person is home, they will, Lord willing, show up and open the door, um, which is just odd in today's, you know, age. So they'll open the door. And uh, let me just give you a sampling of what this might go like. Um, I would say to the person... My name is Kondo. Um, I'm from Mission Point Community Church here in town. And uh, just wondering if you would give us 60 seconds right here on the porch, you know, to just pray God's peace over your home and over your family. That's it. Would you please just give us 60 seconds to, to pray God's peace over your home and over your family? And then at that point, I would fully expect that the person on the other side of this conversation will look at me like, hmm, but what do you really want though, you know? Because it's an odd thing and we understand that, right? But in the event that this person should say, sure, which was the majority of responses we got when we went and did this last fall, let's assume the person says, sure. Then I would say, thank you for letting us do that. Do you mind if I ask your first name? Then the person might tell me their first name. And then at that point, I would pray this simple scripted prayer. Um, Here it is on the screens. Um, I pray, God, that you would give and name the person a sense of your peace, And that you would allow him or her, this person, to know your presence in a real way. Amen. Prayer up! And it's done. And then I would say something to the effect of if there is any other way we can be praying for you. And I would have a card and I would say please don't hesitate to call or email. We would love to continue to pray for you. The end. Now, I'm going to reiterate this at the end. This is not an operation to invite people to church. This is not an operation to even try and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is simply an offer to pray for people. The end. If there's any other way we can be praying for you, please let us know. And the reason we do this, by the way, is because somebody may say no thanks, which we'll talk about in a second. Or somebody may say, yeah, and then they'll realize God actually did something. I want those people to also pray for this and this and this and this. And would love for them to have a way to be able uh, to kind of connect with us and we can continue to pray for them. Then we would say, thank you so much for your time. And then we'd walk off. Now, there is a different scenario in which I would knock on the door and somebody would open the door. I'd say my name is Kondo I'm from Mission Point Community Church. We're just walking through the neighborhood asking if you'd be willing to, to give us 60 seconds right here on the porch. We're not going in anyone's house. And in fact, if somebody invites you into that house, no thanks. This will take less than a minute. Um, yeah, we're from Mission Point just asking if you'd be willing to give us 60 seconds right here on the porch to pray for God's peace over your family. And this person says, nope. No, thanks. My response would be, "Well, oh, thank you so much for your time. And I would still offer them a card. If anything ever comes up, please feel free to let us know. And then I would leave. <coughs> Secret, don't tell anybody. But while I'm walking away, I would totally be praying for peace over their home. You can't stop me from praying for you. <laughs> what you can't stop me from doing is praying with you. That's a different thing. But I must still pray for your family while I walk away from your home right? And then would move right on to the next home. And then would move right on to the next home. That's the prayer up. It is stretching, and it is a little bit edgy, um, and it is so, so super awesome. I mean, last time we did it, I was surprised by how many people said, absolutely. In a time of chaos, if this even has the possibility of working, yes, please. And we would get to, uh, to pray for them. It's amazing how many times people even said, um, I'm not going to lie to you. My attitude towards the church has been a little softened simply by the fact that you didn't actually want anything from me. Like, no, we don't want anything from you. We came to offer something. Because the, the Jesus who we serve did not come to be served. He came to offer himself as a sacrifice um and it's been amazing um sometimes somebody would go back in like okay hang on a second and then they'll close the door and go back in at this point I'm like uh should we run on three should we wait you know and inevitably they'll bring somebody else out from their family so they could be a part of it um, as well I led a group of amazing college students uh the last time we we did this and it took us probably about Thirty-five minutes. It was an hour, you know, slated, but we made it through that area. So. Um, Quickly, and when it was over, the students started to ask, All right, so where are we going next? I'm like, This was our neighborhood, yeah, but so can we not just go to the next neighborhood? I'm like, "Uh, Maybe well, there are other prayer ops happening, and so some of them actually jumped in with other prayer ops so they could continue it. Other students just went rogue and they started doing prayer ops in the grocery store, just stopping people in the bread aisle talking about, Can we pray God's peace over you? I'm not responsible for that prayer op, Um, you're on your own on that one, but praise God that somehow it got into your system and you went a little. bit uh, crazy um, with it. And by the way, the reason uh, we would identify, um, you know, we're from Mission Point is not some attempt to put Mission Point on the map. It's just the awareness that if somebody comes to my house and says, I'm from a certain place in town, and we just want to pray some things over you. Like, it would be a little bit more suspicious if somebody doesn't identify that I'm actually with an established place, an established organization um, in, in the area. So it's just to give people a framework um, to know what it is they are dealing with. Um, tell you a little bit more about the specifics um, of that. But before I do, I just want to talk a little bit about why. Um, why we would choose to show up um, at people's houses and risk being seen as super freaky church people. Um, Why would we do that? If you have a copy of the scripture, uh, meet me in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Um, if you don't have a copy of the Bible, again, we're going to have the verses up here on the screens. And um, if you don't own a, a copy of the Bible, would love to get one in your hands. Just head to the connection corner after the service. Uh, let the kind folks there know that you could use a, a Bible, and we'll get one into your hands. But First Timothy uh, chapter 2. Um, in this passage of Scripture, Paul, who, who wrote this letter... Um, is sending some thoughts to a pastor to help set the church up for longevity and success. And if you've been around, then you know again we're in a series called The Invincible Church because we long to be a church that has longevity and has success. And, and we believe that God has put in place certain things that enable the church to um, To live and thrive regardless of the season. And in this passage we're about to look at, uh, Paul is sharing some of the things he believes should fall into the priority category um, of the church's practices. And I think he would speak the same things to us today. Today. Now again if longevity and success is not something you you long for in a church then you can feel free to disregard these words but if invincibility is appealing then you want to dial in verse 1 here's what he says I urge you pretty intense then first of all priority that petitions prayers intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings And all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Come to a knowledge of the person of Jesus. I urge you first of all, Paul says, be The kind of church that prays for people. Be a praying church. Paul is so intent on this that he actually uses four different terms to describe prayer. And we want to zone in on three um, of those terms. Um, The first term he uses is just the the term prayer. It's what we would think of as the generic word for prayer. Now, technically, he uses prayer second in the sequence of the list of words to describe prayer. Um, But this word captures and encompasses the idea he's trying to communicate prayer. Now, prayer, when Paul uses it, prayer, when it shows up in the Bible, simply means to address God directly. To address God directly. I love how simple this is because it, it, it hints at the fact that prayer is actually something that is super simple. Prayer simply means to address God directly. Anytime you address God, you are praying. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how many words you use. It doesn't matter how fancy the words you use and how robust your vocabulary is in using those words. It doesn't matter the length of time you spend praying. Anytime you address God directly, the Bible says you are praying. You are praying. And Paul is saying the church as a matter of priority ought to get really good at the practice of addressing God directly about Whatever. Now, um, I, I, I missed you guys, by the way. Sorry I didn't mention that earlier. I've been gone for the last uh, two Sundays. I was in the sweltering um, California desert um, while I was seeing pictures of, of snow and, and things of the sort. But, you know, twice a year or so, um, I will go and work at a tennis event. And that's what I was doing um, for the last little bit and anyone who knows me knows that I love the sport of Tennis. I will watch it whenever I have um, the opportunity, whenever I have time. And um, but the confession is, I am one of those really, really grumpy um, and kind of loud and intense tennis watchers. um, Which I wonder if that's maybe why my wife doesn't like to watch tennis with me, or she just doesn't like the sport. (laughs) Sport. She's, you know, not not as enlightened. But um, I will watch this this sport, and I just I critique everything um, about it. I'm that guy who's muttering to myself about everything, like I'm better and I know better than these professional um, athletes. You know, what's he thinking, you know, um, hitting the ball right back to him? Can't she see that she's hitting it to her back end every single Does she even care about winning right now? Um, what's going on in her head? You know, and so I will. I mean, I'll just have all of these crazy uh, conversations to, to myself. What's so ironic though? is a couple of times a year, I will work at these events, and ironically enough, my job is to actually talk to these tennis players that I've spent a year muttering about through the TV screen. And so I actually get to ask them all of the questions I've been muttering to myself. Like, did you you notice that she kept hitting it to your backhand? Now, was there a reason you kept hitting it right back to them? And when you were down 4-1 in the third set, did you even want to win? Now, I'll tone it down. And I'll ask the questions a little bit more professionally, but nonetheless, I get to ask those questions pretty directly, which is what prayer is. Prayer is having a direct conversation with God. It is not so much about you muttering to yourself about how you would do things differently if you were the creator of the universe. It's not so much about looking at, you know, what God is doing through the pages of his scripture and running commentary on it. Prayer is when I actually take my conversation, I take my contemplation, and I start to address God very directly. Directly. Doesn't matter what I'm saying, it doesn't matter how long I spend doing it, it's the idea that I am in the practice of directly talking to God, and Paul is urging the church to be chronic addressers of God, and for some of us, we may not do this much because I I wonder if, if, like me, we've overcomplicated how simple prayer is. And so I don't have the right words, and I don't have the right posture, and I don't feel like my theology is on point. So I'm just going to comment about things and not address God directly. And yet, any time you get to address God, it's considered prayer. Oh, my God, it's hot. If you are saying that to him, you're praying. God, I wonder where my keys are. You're praying if you're talking to him. Lord, are those wafers really gluten-free? You're praying. <laughs> um, that's prayer. Lord, Wisconsin broke my March Madness bracket. That's prayer. Desperate prayer, but prayer nonetheless. It's the art of turning my contemplation into conversation. And so a church that is going to thrive is going to be a church that is full of people who are constantly addressing God directly. And by the way, some of you pray more than you realize. You've just not called it prayer because it doesn't feel fancy to you. It just feels like this thing I just screamed at him one time. That's prayer. Nonetheless, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. um, We've been studying the early church and some of its practices. And this is what it says about the church in verse 42, chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, um, to the fellowship, um, to the breaking of bread, which we got to experience in, in form earlier, and to prayer. This was a priority for them. And in 1 Timothy 2, Paul uses th- this as an invitation for the church to be a praying church. There's a reason we're talking about this. Uh, but Paul uses a couple of other terms that we want to look at. We're going somewhere as we think about this afternoon. Um, Paul uses a couple of other terms we want to look at quickly. Look again at 1 Timothy 2. Um, Verse 1, where Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Petitions. Um, The word petition is the second word for prayer that Paul um, uses. That, again, could sound like a super fancy word, but if you're a parent or you have ever been a kid at any point in your life, then this is a word you are acquainted with. It's just the word that means, can I please have? Uh, Can you please give me? Petition means to address God directly with a request. It simply means to ask him for Something. And this word, I love it because it's an equal opportunity um, word. It doesn't really care, you know, how great or how small the request is. It doesn't matter whether it's a life or death request. It doesn't matter whether it's thought through or it's impulsive. The word just means you are asking God for something that you want, something you desire, or something that you Need And so if you've ever, even in the most dire and desperate of moments, cried out to God and asked him to deliver, asked him to show up, that's petition. That's what this word means. And Paul is saying a church that thrives is a church that becomes chronic askers of God. Um, As a kid for me, I I, I don't know what it was like for you, but as a kid for me, I had an, an, an asking budget. I had a request budget. And I would typically exceed that budget three minutes after I woke up, you know, um, with my parents. Now, I I didn't know what the budget actually was, but I knew when I'd hit that budget. Uh, Can I please have something to eat? Can I have a snack? Can I go to a friend's house? Oh, can I have a friend over? Uh, Are we there yet? Uh, When are we going to have? Can I have this? Can I do this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And after a while, my parents would be like, if you ask me one more thing, I will break your asker. And so they would put a very quick limit on what we were able to ask because they just couldn't endure the chronic Asking and requests. And I wonder if we haven't grown up to believe that God is somehow like that. Like there is a budget. There is a limit on how many requests I can make. And if I exceed that budget, God is just going to be done. And Paul is saying, be chronic askers. Your father is a father who loves to hear your request. And he has more answers than you have requests. So ask and ask and ask and ask about anything and everything as often as you would like. Be a chronic asker. I love that. God can have a job. Ask him. That's petition. God can have a friend I'm so lonely. Ask him. That's petition. God can have a miracle in my body. That's petition. Ask him. God can have a college acceptance letter. God can have a college acceptance letter with a scholarship snuck in there. Ask him. God, can I please have a better marriage with the same spouse? Of course. Ask him. That's petition. Petition. Of high priority to God is that his people bring all kinds of requests to him. Because our father is the kind of father who means it when he says, ask me anything. But then Paul uses another word to describe prayer. And he uses the word intercession. And this is the one we want to kind of zoom in on as we head out this morning. intercession. Uh, The word intercession takes the word pray and the word petition. It combines them and then it turns them outward. And here's simply what intercession means. Intercession means to address God directly with a request for someone else. To address God directly With a request for someone else. To go into the presence of God, carrying the concern of another person as my request to God. I'm here, but I'm not here for me. I'm here for someone else. That's what the word means. And it doesn't matter what the thing is. It only matters that the thing is concerning to the other person. And so, therefore, I bring it into my direct conversation with God. That's intercession. In fact, the tone of this passage... The tone of this passage is ultimately about this idea of intercession. Paul is not just saying God wants his church to be a praying church. God, Paul is saying God wants his church to be a people who are chronically praying the concerns of other people. Carrying those into their conversation with God. He wants his church to be a people who petition on behalf of other people. Look again at 1 Timothy 2, um, this whole section we read. Let's read this again. Paul says, I urge then, first of all, priority, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth, knowledge of his son. I don't want you to just talk to me. That's great. I love that. I want, as a matter of priority, for my church to get into the habit of talking to me about the hearts and the hurts of the people in their world. From political leaders, to your neighbors, to laity, to whoever it may be, I want you to pray for all people. And I love how this passage closes. Because something powerful starts to happen when we petition on behalf of others and in fact what Paul hints at here is something powerful becomes possible when we carry into our conversation with God the concerns of others because now they may just experience the peace of God it says so that they might live peaceful lives right so that they might live peaceful lives Now, all of a sudden, they may just be able to come to a knowledge of the person of Jesus Christ. I love this. Paul is saying the church should be about praying for people so that they might experience peace and the person of Jesus in a real way. Listen, mission point, our prayer gimmick, our prayer gimmick, you know, that we feared for, for so long. In fact, we talked about this. Like, man, if we do this thing, will it feel gimmicky? If we do this thing, will it seem gimmicky? And as we continue to read the scriptures, we realize this is actually a powerful opportunity, a huge deal, because as a church, we desire to see the city flooded with the peace of God. We desire to see our city in encounter and experience the person of Jesus Christ in real and meaningful ways because we know that the people around us are living in chaos and uncertainty and Paul says there is the possibility for peace to invade there is the possibility for an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ, and what better way to show up in our city than with the offer to talk to God on their behalf, something God considers a priority for his church, and if praying for our city awakens the possibility of peace and his presence, then we want to be in on that, but not only that, we want to actually go one step further, which is what this afternoon is about for us if there's something powerful that becomes possible when we pray for our city, then we want to ask what might just happen if we pray with our city? Because I can think of fewer more meaningful things. Um, As uh, many of you know, we are in a pretty exciting time here at at Mission Point, and uh, one of the things that we're super excited about is we're seeing our church leadership continue to grow. Many of you were here a number of weeks ago when uh, we installed three new elders, and just amazing to have three new faces and voices uh, sitting around the leadership um, table. But as exciting as that is, we've started to run into some um, challenges as a team. And one of the primary challenges that we're running into as a team is scheduling. Um, because you have a bunch of busy people, you know, who are trying to coordinate meeting times around travel and around family priorities. And so far, we've been able to figure it out, but we're realizing that, man, we're running into some complications with that. And so while I'm sitting kind of in the fetal position, like, I don't know what to do, how do we solve this? Some of our Older elders, and I'm not going to name them, like who are the older ones and who are not, but um, I'll call him Sean Parrott. Like one of, one of the um, elders, you know, in fact, a couple of them have started to school us younger guys on some of the advances of technology. Turns out that there are ways you can actually have meetings with people who are not actually present. And it's the weirdest thing, like video conferencing, I think they call it, like the go-to meeting, and you can even Skype, like I'm just learning about this. And they're schooling us, and I'm eyes wide open, like listening, tell me more about this. But the truth is, I'm finding that us younger guys, particularly myself on the team, I'm the most skeptical person. I'm like, "Mm, I don't know, is this even a real thing? Is, does this really even count? I mean, if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? And if somebody is on a screen but they're not physically in the room, does their presence count in the meeting? And I'm a little bit skeptical about this whole thing. We haven't tried it yet, but I found that turns out it actually does work. Like it legally actually would count if somebody was in a meeting via some technological device. That even though they're somewhere distant, th- their face on a screen in a room counts as they were actually part of the meeting. We patched them into a meeting. Technology is awesome. You learned something at church today, you can thank me later. It is really, really unbelievable. Um, so anyway, the prayer op this afternoon... Um, It is such a profoundly exciting moment for us because when we go into the 10 different neighborhoods in our city, we as a church intended to dial into an ancient technology that allows us to patch God into a moment on people's porches. This is a powerful thing. Think for a quick second what's going to happen when somebody says, yes, you can pray God's peace for me. Because prayer is directly addressing God. So now they've said, yes, you may directly address God on my behalf. The very moment they say yes, God comes into that meeting and stands on their very porch. And they become a part of a conversation in which God is very present. That is a powerful thing because peace becomes a possibility, transformation becomes a possibility because God has been patched into this moment on their porch. And so for us, we are really believing that as we directly address God, let alone uh, directly address God with people in our city, he will show up and do some unimaginable things. Because where two or three are gathered in my name, he says, there I am in their midst. And so we as a church are not just the body of Christ going out to represent him. But as we pray for people, we get to invite God into that very moment. And our dream is to see people's lives transformed and to see people interact with God. And now all of a sudden the reality of peace and the reality of knowing the person of Jesus happen in those moments. And I'm just saying to you church, please do not deprive our city of that possible experience because you were uncomfortable. Let that not be the reason why we didn't get to directly address God and invite him into a moment in people's realities. And so yes, we know it's scary. Um, I was trembling the last time I went. It wasn't easy. But our desire is to see something so beautiful happen in our city. And for that to happen, we as a church have to take risks. We as a church have to leave what's comfortable and go into places that are stretching. Because that's what Jesus did when he left heaven. Came into a place that was stretching. And on the cross, he held sin in one hand and holiness in the other and the two met beautifully in him. We are the body of Christ. We get to stand on people's porches, hold heaven with one hand and hold others with the other and introduce the two in a powerful moment. And I'm begging you, would you consider maybe making the craziest decision you've ever made and saying, we're going to go do this thing. I cannot believe I'm about to go sign up for this thing, but here we go. Because we get to do and be a part of something meaningful, not for us, but for our city, which is why the church is sent out. And so, Lord, I pray for a wave of courage. I pray, Lord, that you would meet us in such powerful ways this afternoon. I pray, Lord, that this will be more than just some gimmick or some fleeting experience, but that real people's lives would have a real encounter with a real God and their lives would be forever changed. Thank you for allowing us to be your your representatives, to be your body in our world. Help us to do it well. Help us to do it beautifully. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.